everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lifestyle Matters. And once again, we have the good Dr. Savina with us. Hello, Savina. How are you? Good. Thanks, Michael. And yourself? I'm great. So I thought today we'd discuss low-carb diets. Now, before we launch into the why and the how, I think we need to understand the what. So first of all, what is the generally recommended Australian macronutrient ratio according to the Australian Dietary Guidelines? So the current recommendation for our carb intake um, is about 45 to 60% of our well, 45% of our daily calorie intake. This equates to about two to 300 grams a day of our um, carb intake. Um, and that's what it is. So a low carb diet is really, technically speaking, anything that's less than 45% of total calories. And I suppose we need to also understand the, the other macronutrient composition. So the Australian Dietary Guidelines suggest that we should be having about 15 to 25% of our diet as protein and 20 to 35% of our diet as fats, but with a 10% maximum for saturated fats. So the thing about a low carb diet is that you also have to then increase the other two nutrients. So when you're dealing with low carb, you've also effectively got high protein or high fat, haven't you, uh, Savina? That's right. And that's what people sometimes call the low carb, high fat diet, which is, you know, yeah. sometimes people know it as the Atkins diet, yeah. um, which was yeah. quite famous once upon a time. So just going further into the low carb diet, um, there are different, you know, you pointed out, um, you know, anything less than that carb intake is basically considered low carb diet, but there are actually different categories of low carb diet. So there's the very low carb diet, which is about 20 to 50 grams of, our, of carb intake a day, um, which is almost ketotic in nature. And that is something what they call almost like the keto diet, which we'll go to into the next episode. Um, and then they've got the low calorie, low carb diet, which is about um, 130 grams a day of um, carbs and a moderate carb intake, which is less than 230 grams of um, carbs a day. When you think about it, having 20 to 50 grams of carbs a day is actually hard work. And to try to do it over 12 months is actually pretty hard. Um, and that's one of the reasons why um, they actually say that the low carb diet is not sustainable after 12 months. There have been lots of research and studies going into that. Um, would you like to elaborate into that, Virgo? Well, there's a lot of research demonstrating the, the lack of compliance over time. And so people start out rigidly adhering to what they define as low carb, you know, the 50, 25 to 50 gram per day. And then over time, they have measured the actual carbohydrate intake of people who say that they're still adhering to the low carb diet. And the, and the carbohydrate values are 150 to 200 grams a day. It's really, really difficult to adhere to. And the, the evidence of benefit for low carb, high protein diets or, or low carb diets in general is really limited to studies of maybe 12 week duration. And, and, and really, once you get to the two year mark, there is absolutely no difference in terms of real life practical outcomes in terms of clinical parameters between low carb diets and any other diet for that matter. But take us through the, the history of, of low carbs and when did it start and for what medical condition did it, did it, was it first developed? 
Yeah, so that was actually, it started around in the 1930s um, when diabetes was really identified just a few years before that. Um, and, you know, every diabetic was placed on a low-carb diet. Um, and that actually was happening because it showed that people um, had low, were on low-carb diet, they lost weight, insulin resistance improved, their average sugar readings, which we commonly know as HbA1c, was improving, um, and their heart disease risk was also improving. But once again, once over years of studies, they found that, as we alluded to, this is not actually a sustainable thing. Um, and in fact, there were other potential um, issues around sticking to a low-carb diet, um, something along the lines of where people have hypertriglyceridemia um, with high cholesterol. Take us through that, Virgo. What, what were the um, yeah. issues around that? Well, primarily, you know, if you're dealing with low-carb, I've, I've also alluded to the fact that low-carb means high everything else, and that includes high fat. So if you're, unluckily, if you're unlucky enough to have some form of familial hypercholesterolemia where your triglycerides are too high, you can develop pancreatitis as a result of that, especially if your triglycerides go above 1,000 milligrams per deciliter. So, you know, you want to be actually minimizing your, low, your, your, your fat intake. And so really, for, there are certain medical conditions for which a, a low-carb, high-fat diet is really contraindicated. And that, that's just one example. But, you know, going back to this idea of how low-carb diets helped with, with insulin uh, resistance and sensitivity and, and with, with diabetes. So I suppose when we're talking about low-carb diets, we really need to understand why it was seen as, an, as a very attractive option for people with diabetes. So remember, the, the, the key hallmark of diabetes is basically, or certainly type 2 diabetes, is insulin resistance. And hyperinsulinemia is actually triggered by carbohydrates, also, so, also some proteins. So the more carbohydrates that you eat, the more insulin that you need to produce. But if you've got a situation of insulin resistance, you, you need even more insulin to be produced. So the idea that you can minimize uh, carbohydrate intake to lower the stress in the pancreas and to reduce the amount of insulin that needs to be secreted can only be seen as a good thing in this, in, in certainly in type 2 diabetes. The prob one of the other issues is that um, you know, as we put on weight, we then develop further insulin resistance, which then contributes to the stress of the pancreas. And so because the low-carb diet was associated with weight loss, then that was also seen to be treating insulin resistance. However, it goes back to the longevity point that we're trying to make, that over time, the lack of adherence means that actually it's very difficult to maintain this diet and very difficult to maintain the, the benefits. But that's kind of low-carb high-fat diets. Now, we do have low-carb, high-protein diets. And one of the things that uh, is said about low-carb, high-protein diets is not only have you got the effect of low carbs, so you've got less insulin and you've got less weight, uh, weight loss, or sorry, less weight gain. You've also got, with high-protein, the thermogenic effect. So, so high-protein diets cause a lot of satiety. And actually, the, the ability of the body to digest protein is dependent on burning more energy. So there's the thermogenic effect. Yeah. And also, just to add to that, the protein also, if you remember from one of the few episodes we talked about, the protein, when the more protein we eat, the less of a high insulin spike um, it produces. So that was also one of the reasons to, um, to improve that. 
So when we're talking about, you know, what is a low carb diet, we've agreed that it's, it's got low, it's lower than the 45% uh, threshold for the standard range of carbohydrates. We've talked about that's what it is, but what does it look like in practice, you know, in terms of actually making meals? How, how do you, how do you see the low carb diet? Yeah. Before we go into that, Pergo, um, you know how you were talking about diabetes and low carb. I just wanted to bring to uh, to raise this. There was a trial called the Look Ahead Look Ahead trial that was basically a trial um, for action for health in diabetes. So this trial was actually to look at the differences between someone on an intensive lifestyle regime, where they were on a carb restricted exercise sort of a regime and those who are on a purely diabetes support and education the the usual way the primary outcome of the study was basically insignificant because it showed that people benefited from both both arms of the study whether they were on an intensive lifestyle regime or whether they were on the diabetes support Um, but what they found is that um, both groups the end result was the calorie calorie risk calorie intake was markedly restricted and their idea was to keep their fat intake to less than 30% of their total intake um, and to also minimize carbs, refined carbs. And if they actually looked into it, more people were, people were actually eating more whole food processed carbs um, and cutting down the less processed. So they're eating things like pumpkin, potatoes, sweet potatoes, mm. you know, the things that we advocate for, the complex carbs. So I guess the main point I'm trying to make here is carbs were actually once again not the enemy um, because people were eating complex carbs and yet reducing the calorie intake and losing weight and their diabetes was still well controlled um, so really what you're saying is it's refined carbs that are the enemy yeah which exactly goes back right. to our general principle of what is a lifestyle diet it's a it's a it's a diet that is a whole foods uh, non-processed diet with lots of grains lots of multicolored vegetables so Refined carbs are the enemy. And also the other thing to, to point out is actually that fat is not the enemy. You know, it's saturated fat is the, is the enemy. Trans fats are the enemies. But, you know, the mufas and the poofas and the oils, they are not the enemy. That's correct. So I guess going back to your question about what does a day-to-day diet of a low-carb, high-fat diet looks like, mm. basically, um, once again, it comes down to you know, minimizing your potatoes, your starches, um, um, eating less bread, pasta, rice, and eating more f- vegetables and f- um, meats. And they were getting most of their, int- their calorie intake from eating meat and fats, um, as what you were saying, saturated fats, essentially. And unfortunately, that would have led to other complications if they had high triglycerides, um, even people with pre-existing fatty liver disease, they would also not benefit from a diet like this because they're further overloading their liver with even more saturated fat. Um, and that's the diet that most general people, most people follow, unfortunately, which do have certain implications. In fact, there's also been some, I mean, these are all still things that are being looked into, um, you know, studied. But there is question whether um, going on a low-carb diet, because it produces almost a ketotic state, an acidic state in your body, does it actually increase the risk of osteoporosis? Um, they have seen this, they're obviously researching this in rats, you know, animals essentially, but there's potentially that because they've noticed that there's a lot more calcium being excreted through the urine of these animals. Is this Are these things happening to humans? They're 
looking at that. The other thing is you get a lot of my minerals and vitamins like your dietary fiber, your magnesium, your phytochemicals, which you can get quite a bit of in unprocessed carbs. Um, but you know, if you limit all that, you might be getting you might be deficient in that, and instead you're having more fat. That means more yeah. red meat. That means you're increasing a risk of other potential cancers. So there's all these other potential risks of just being on a low carb, high fat diet. Um, that's been it, it does found. sound, however, that we are quite uh, dismissive of the potential benefits of the low carb diet. I, I feel that we need to put some balance into this discussion so far. <laughs> well, I think the, it's great for a year. <laughs> <laughs> there are very ardent advocates of the of the low carb diet. Um, so. We do need to kind of understand why is why is there such support? So I think firstly there is this physiological idea that it does reduce the strain in the pancreas, it reduces the amount of insulin that needs to be secreted, and it does contribute to weight loss if it is adhered to, and it does reduce cholesterol, doesn't it? It does have these effects, these downstream effects of reducing cholesterol, reducing LDL, reducing VLDL. And it does help with fatty liver. You know, you, you can use so so long as your low fat, sorry, so long as your low carb diet is also hypor hypocaloric, then you are going to lose weight and you are going to get these downstream benefits, aren't you? Yeah, and that's what you know, all those um very famous weight loss programs. Um uh Jenny Craig, for example, um was one of them who advocates for the high-protein, low-carb diet. So, Savina, what I'm hearing is that there are proponents for the low-carb low, uh, diet. If you adhere to it and if it is hypocaloric, it does actually contribute to a weight loss pattern, um, but it is difficult to adhere to. It does have uh, some effect on lowering cholesterol, reducing uh, fatty liver, reducing blood pressure, reducing uh, insulin resistance. But the, 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 the benefits are, are, there's no evidence base for the prolonged effect or the prolonged beneficial effect, at least over two years. And it really does deviate away from uh, the, the concept of a balanced whole food plant-based diet full of rich, complex carbohydrates. But I suppose this discussion has been useful to identify the fact that actually, you know, fat's not the enemy carbohydrates are not the enemy it's actually saturated fat and refined carbohydrates that really we should be minimizing and i think in the end we just have to remember that it is whatever said and done you know there is plenty of research to say it is beneficial for the first 12 months so yeah i guess you know if it suits your lifestyle go for it i guess um go for it if that it would works be for mine. you go yeah. for it yeah all right, Savina, well, thanks very much for your pearls of wisdom today. I look forward to the next episode, and we'll speak soon. Thank you. Thanks, Fergal. That's all for today's episode of Lifestyle Matters. My name is Dr. Fergal Armstrong. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time.